Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to the Hossadathon, the podcast that hashtag unveils the films of one of the world's greatest animation directors, Mamoru Hosoda. I'm Michael Leader. And I'm Steph Watts, and we've seen a lot of them. And I'm Jake Cunningham, and I'm going beast mode on them. So join us on our quest into the glorious world of Mamoru Hosoda. Jake, Steph, welcome back. We've made it. We started a handful of episodes ago with The Girl Who Leapt Through Time, and now we are up to date with Mamoru Hosoda with the brand new film, Belle. Jake, you can now say that you've seen a lot of them too. I can, yeah. This this one's been, as we said in our first episode, I've kind of ruined our normal format for this one. Or I, I, start, I kind of started about three quarters of the way through, then watched the finale, then went back to the start and then caught up. Which I suppose, considering the kind of wibbly-wobbly worlds and times of all these films, is maybe appropriate. <laughs> it absolutely is. And it's so good to be talking about a new release as well. So this stuff is like fresh to us. It's not something that's frozen in amber in, in, in history. <laughs> something where people are discovering it themselves as well. So, yeah. was, was that a little um, Gallagher impression there, Michael? Gal- Gallagher who? Oh, oh, Oasis walking out into Nebworth. This is history. Is it just because I've got a Mancunian accent? <laughs> I thought you put a little twang on it. I would never knowingly refer to Oasis, but I won't look back in anger at that reference, Jake. We can only look forward to the final episode in the Hossadathon miniseries, his take on Beauty and the Beast for the social media age, Belle. Of course, listeners, this is a brand new film. You may not have had a chance to watch it yet. And we do go into some detail and depth. There will be spoilers for the back half of the film. So if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, we'll be here when you come back after you've seen the film. Um, But before we do any of that spoilery stuff, Steph, should we have a quick recap of the synopsis of the film? Yes. Susu is a 17-year-old high school student living in a village with her father. For years, she's only been a shadow of herself. One day, she enters You, a virtual world of 5 billion members on the internet. There, she is not Susu anymore, but Belle, a world-famous singer. She soon meets with a mysterious creature, and together they embark on a journey of adventures, challenges and love in their quest to become who they truly are. 
Thank you, Steph. Uh, now, this is normally the point of the show where we'd go deep on the context of this film. And whilst Michael is a beacon of knowledge and shares his knowledge of the films of Foster every week, uh, we're actually doing something different with this series because there, there's someone else who could perhaps provide a bit of context for this film too, right? Perhaps the, the most perfect person to provide context to the films of Mamoru Hosoda. Yes, next episode we're talking to the man himself, Mamoru Hosoda. We go very deep into the context behind Bell, but also talk about all sorts of questions and queries and the themes that we picked up along the miniseries. So tune in next episode for a lot of that. But let's have a little bit of a brief contextual kind of setup for our chat so Bell is another film that's inspired by Hoster's family, his daughter, the one who inspired Mirai. Um, she's now a little older and he said in interviews that he noticed that when she was at home, she was full of confidence. But once she started going to nursery, that confidence evaporated and he was concerned thinking about her future. What, what's it like being a child today where you have your own world, where you're full of confidence and then you have a phone? And you go on to the online world and have to then go through all those experiences where, you know, the great wide world of the Internet, what would happen to her there? So that sparked something in him and it puts us back into familiar hostile territory. Think back to Summer Wars, another film that looked at emerging online worlds, although we're now a decade on from that almost and things have changed even more. And also think back to The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. This is another film about a teenage girl. He didn't go for a, a, a toddler he had a teenage girl um, as the protagonist, and she's kind of similar to the protagonist and the girl who leapt through time, figuring herself out during those awkward teen years with a lot of school, high school politics as well. Another key film to mention here is one we talked about way back at the beginning of the miniseries, Disney's Beauty and the Beast. That film came out in Japan when Hosoda was planning to maybe throw in the towel and give up working in animation altogether, but he saw that movie and was inspired by it to stick with it and, you know, if he hadn't stuck with it, we wouldn't have had this miniseries at all. And, and the films as well, gosh, imagine. Um, but here he's borrowing the storytelling framework of Beauty and the Beast for Belle and sort of resetting it for the 21st century with the relationship between this girl, our young protagonists, and her avatar, and this mysterious beast-like character who's the social pariah and scapegoat of the online world. Um, very quickly, we should shout out some of Hostage's collaborators on this project because we have all the way through. Again, he likes to look outside of traditional Japanese animation circles. And here he works with Cartoon Saloon, um, a studio we've covered in depth uh, already on the podcast in the past. They provided backgrounds at certain points in the film. We have Jin Kim, who is... Um, uh, a landmark animator and character designer who's worked at Disney for many years, has lots of credits there, worked on Frozen and Tangled, sort of created the um, signature Disney character look of the last 20 years. He also he ended up back at Disney very recently working on Encanto. And to design the world of this online world of you, um, the digital realm in the film, Hoster looked um, to work with a chap called Eric Wong, who's an architect based in London, and he hadn't worked in the film industry before, which is a bit of a recurring theme with us and Hoster's, um collaborators. He just apparently came across Wong's work on his website and thought it'd be a good fit to design the, uh, the online world. Um, and since this is a film made in the age of COVID, a lot of these, I think pretty much all these international collaborations happened remotely and they only liaised editorially like over Zoom meetings, which is very timely. Bell premiered in Cannes last year, 2021. 
not in competition, but part of the official selection. So a bit of an upgrade from um, from Mirai, and it came out in Japan summer 2021, and it was a it was a hit. Um, it comfortably outgrossed Mirai. I think maybe even double what Mirai made, and even beat Boy and the Beast to become Hosoda's best performing film in Japan to date. Um, and it was only third um, in the highest grossing films of 2021, coming behind like two franchise movies, the most recent Detective Conan film and the final film in the Evangelion Rebuild series. So this is Hosoda back on the upward swing after Mirai, both in terms of critical uh, appreciation, but definitely the box, box office as well. And we can't talk about international release and awards and everything that we normally talk about here uh, because we're still waiting to hear whether it's been nominated and whether it might win certain prizes and of course it's only just coming out in the UK so but that brings us up to date and we can expect lots more depth and detail from the man himself in next episode but before any of that that's next episode we don't care about that right now all I care about is what you Jake and Steph thought about Bell. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So, Jake, Steph, we've been on this journey, the Hossetathon. We, uh, we've seen all the films, we've talked about them. Now we're here at Bell and we can ask the question, how does this relate to, build on, tie in with all of the things we've talked about and seen so far? Bell is the ultimate Mamoru Hosoda film. <laughs> Oof, I love it, right out of the gate. I, and it feels like we've retroactively constructed our conversations to build to this point. And like, it, I suppose in a way we have, because we always knew we were coming to Bell and we had, we had seen it. And I suppose it had maybe incepted ideas into us that like shaped the way that we uh, looked at those other films. And that can't be helped. But it feels like every single one of his films is building up to this point. This feels like the finale in a way. And I, I have no idea what he's going to do after this because this feels like he's finally executing all of these different things that he's fascinated by. 
and for me is doing it in the most satisfying way that he has done i, I think like in the previous times we've, we've kind of been like oh yeah i like that he's, he's going for that but it doesn't really connect to the emotions or he's got the emotions here but it doesn't really give you like it doesn't get really explore this theme that he's interested in but this is like absolutely nailing all of that stuff that we've spoken about before about the internet about familial relationships about like the style of it like him as this this amazing kind of silent filmmaker uh it's like his focus on detail his focus on food like all of this stuff that we've highlighted in the other films is coming together here and for me works so so well yeah i agree like i think i mean i guess we'll come to this a bit later but while i I maybe don't think it's like his best film. It is his most hostile film. Yes. Like like you said, Jake, it's like yeah. we've just got all of this stuff that we've seen, all of these themes that are really coming together in this film. And he it feels like he's found where all of those things that he wants to include like really belong in a story and a look. Um and I think even from that like big opening, it's so evident that this is just like 10 steps up from something like Summer Wars where he's kind of introducing you to this internet world but he I feel like he really like knows what he wants to say a bit more with it yeah, um, and I, I think it's really brave in a way to so clearly redo something mm. like it's almost like he he is like quite clearly looking back at something like Summer Wars and saying like let me have another go like, I, th I think I can do more with this. Like, I still think it's good. And I still think it's a great thing to be mining for inspiration. But now I am at a skill level and I have the resources to be able to go back to that well and do it properly. Um, it reminds me in a way of Princess Mononoke. And we, we spoke before about how that film for Hayao Miyazaki feels like, like that is finally he's reached his moment where he's got enough clout and he's got enough talent to put everything that he wants to into a film and i wonder if that means poster that means next time we get his spirited away <laughs> it's like this really reminds me of when we did our satoshi con miniseries and we got to paprika and it was like oh this is like the big final kind of yeah amalgamation of all this stuff we've been seeing in the in his previous films but obviously we didn't get to see anything else from satoshi con after that sadly so yeah this is such an open book as yeah. to like where we can go next um it gets me so excited yeah definitely and i think also like just in terms of um how he's using kind of mixes of 3d cg and 2d animation like all the technical stuff looking back at you know early character design and background design this is just i feel like he's really showing off in this like opening mm. sequence you know you've got kind of these amazing backgrounds um and world building in the internet world of you that i i cannot wait to go and see this on the biggest screen possible mm. i haven't really like managed to see it on like a big cinema screen yet um you have kind of bell like lip syncing perfectly to the song she's singing you have the song which is an absolute banger which i'm just gonna be listening to <laughs> like again and again and again um yeah it's like a really really exciting like just it really hits you in the first few minutes that's what I love about this, and it is, yeah, it's from the very first moments of the film how he has found this sort of new version of what he's been doing all along, which is mashing together multiple influences, multiple 
types of animation and now he's bringing in international um like collaborators as well so the first time you see bell who looks like she's come out of a um a, a disney film but she's set in this world which is his vision of what the internet is mixed with this I, I love Eric Wong's architectural designs, which is a sort of speculative architecture as if physics didn't have to... Physics, physics and budget were no option. What would architecture look like? And so that fits perfectly into this online realm where there is no up and down, left and right. There is no gra- It doesn't have to be gravity in the way there is in the physical world. So it really does come across as something almost the opposite in a way of what we thought, what we've spoken about in the past with Miyazaki and with Cartoon Saloon in a way where there is a signature style that is kind of coming off a couple of key creative voices. Whereas with Hosoda, he just loved embracing all sorts of voices and visions and talents within his films. And um, I think that's something that's quite easy to overlook in a way because you just think, oh, visual overload, this is what anime and animation is. But what he's doing is quite subtly quite radical, I think, visually anyway. Um, but we should, like, yeah, as you said, Jake, there are so many levels here that he's working at and paying off. So we should talk about the internet mm. we should this new thing <laughs> world wide web information superhighway um you said that it moves on he, he's going back to the well that he went you know the attempt with summer wars what's different here and what's he saying about about it on all these various levels so how do we break it through here well i, th- I think so there's the scale of it like i think when you look at summer wars now it looks like that that's an internet of what seems to be a hundred people. Um, whereas this feels like a representation of like that, the buzzing scale that we know a social network actually has. Like you could, you can imagine the billions of people that are using you and that's in the design. Um, Cause when, when you look at you, it's this never ending carriage train of kind of server skyscraper structures that just goes endlessly into the distance. Um, and so it, it feels so much bigger which makes this the stakes ultimately feel bigger as well um but i think the the infrastructure of it's fascinating uh like it feels more like a lived-in world which for me is something that i think hosta's really kind of validating for a lot of people through how he shows the internet of like that this is although it is a virtual world it is a real world and so showing you the inner workings of how you works, whether like that's from like everyone showing up at the concert hall uh, or whether there's like these self-appointed justices that want to gatekeep the community. Like this feels like a, a very real space and whilst also feeling like a true reflection of what the Internet actually is, unfortunately, like for all its goodness and its badness. Um, and Summer Wars, I think, presents a like a lovely hopeful utopian internet that gets destroyed in one instance uh and it can either be like it can be this great thing that can be destroyed but we can take it back to that great thing whereas this is a more balanced view of the internet i think and so you're looking at all the the goodness of it and that this place where you can escape into and become another another person and that can free you and that can help you evolve both within this virtual realm and your physical realm um but then he gets into so much stuff that is 
so true about how the internet gets used and exploited today as well. So I, I, there's a great line um, like when Belle first reveals, or near when Belle first reveals herself as this superstar within you, um, that stardom is built on mixed opinions. And that is ab- like so true now in, in the wave of like, like Farage, Jones, Lawrence Fox, like these types of characters, like who go up and up the ranks because people don't necessarily always, people don't want to always believe in what these people are saying. They just want to react to it. And how he he integrates comments into the world as well. Um, These just aren't bits of text that come up on screen that are outside of the reality of you. They feel like physical billboards within you and that is again just how we see comments online as well like they are constantly flashing up opinion 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 and the ones that float to the top are the ones that have the most extreme voices the ones that shout the loudest and i love that he's exploring that within a retelling of beauty and the beast like click hate culture which is not something i expected at all and like is so far from like what he was approaching with summer wars in terms of like his exploration of the internet yeah it, it feels much more like he has more of an anthropological mm. angle on this one than pretty much anyone else making films about the internet <laughs> has and even down to the level of um, something that's that can be easily overlooked because it's very much in the early scenes the the the, the, the sci-fi aspect almost of how the app scans your biometric data and creates an avatar which is an expression of your deeper inner self which is almost like a sci-fi fairy tale um uh, combination going on here and that is him getting or you know getting this level of commentary around uh the way we we act online we as a as a population act online which is as an exaggerated version of ourselves rather than what the way that um some commentators would talk about it still now as being inhabiting another life you could do whatever you want this is your second life this is actually an exaggerated version of yourself and all of those prejudices the mob mentality the group think that c- could affect the 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 uh the physical world is on display here, but turned up to a whole new level. And that's, that is that is an aspect to this with something like the Beauty and the Beast. The interesting thing about the Beauty and the Beast story that he's bringing in is that the Beast is a scapegoat in the small town, uh, the, the, you know, living in the castle, and Gaston and his lot, the, the mob. But in this, he's just a, a, a character who got in some fights in the fighting arena area of, of you, and there's this mystery that is in some ways stoked by the, you know, the 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 internet cops, the justices, the moderators, but in many ways is you know created by the user base. Mm. They create the main you know to use to use a Twitter term the you know the, the protagonist of the of, of of the platform. They create it because of their their um their desire for more information. It makes me think of like very recent examples of like something goes up on TikTok and there's or, or Twitter and it's like mentions a person that may have done something and immediately Twitter tries to find out who that person is and then yeah. we've got this person. It's like, did you really need to do this? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot there that is um observational anthropological stuff that's really fascinating i think i think it's interesting as well that we see the main characters also like participating in that Mm -hmm. even though they're they're trying to find out who the beast is um i guess for like for good reasons 
in the end maybe mm. at the start it's just it's pure curiosity where they're just trying to find out who this person is so they're also kind of participating in that even if they think they're doing it you well, know, and bell has got clout like she like it's that <laughs> addictive thing isn't it like that's that's the mm. thing that she's got right at the start is mm. like when you have a when you have a tweet that blows up or something or you put a put your put your face on instagram for once and the algorithm sends loads of likes your way it's like that that kind of refresh refresh she she wants to go in there because she's suddenly got this kind of perfect world where everyone likes her and everyone's engaging with her which she doesn't get in reality and then I this think she thing doesn't comes... really enjoy that though right like i feel like it's a thing of she's expressing she's using it to express herself because in the real world she can't sing anymore because she's like really depressed and down and um and in in you she can finally like express herself properly and it's just that you know she's in her own corner of you doing her own thing and then people notice her and start following her i don't know if she ever like really enjoys i think she enjoys it in you i think like it's also her svengali (laughs) friend who's stoking it. yeah it's her like yeah her her pal that's like laughing like a little goblin at the oh (laughs) who has those who has the great anime glasses as well so good spinning in the chair I think the way that they access the internet is a big step up from the way they do it in Summer Wars also. (laughs) Because in Summer Wars we have that weird, you know, I'm connected via my DS or my tiny (laughs) flip phone. Um, And then in this they're actually plugging some sort of kind of VR system Mm. into their heads. Um, It reminded me of, do you know that Better Than Life short story from Red Dwarf where Mm -hmm. they... um, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's like a, a virtual reality video game, but the game basically taps into your kind of subconscious desire. So Lister, one of the characters, just lives in It's a Wonderful Life every single day uh, because that's like deep down what he really wants. Um, but yeah, it kind of reminded me of that thing where I still find it really difficult to work out how they're actually like seeing the world when they're kind of walking around in the real world but they're in you in their kind of VR thing. But then I think it does do really well to, um, to show what it's like to like be kind of online in that way. And when all these kind of comments pop up, you can't, it's really difficult to just close the screen and walk away. Like Mm -hmm. you, you feel like you're in it and that is part of real life, even though you, you could just like close it. It's really smart in the way that it does. It it has it both tries to have it both ways. So it Mm. will, you will have shots of phone screens and um, computer screens that are just filling up with, you know, browser tab overload when, when they're trying to look at all these comments and they're being flooded by comments. But then the online world of you is a sci-fi space, but also is such a great representation of how it can feel when you're scrolling through your feeds and suddenly mm. everything gets a bit too overwhelming and it's just all these voices, all these colourful characters. And if that can be turned against you or or, or you know, whether it's or, or, or towards, you know, towards your own ends, uh, that can be quite a powerful thing. Those, you know, that, that, that feeling of her looking at her phone and suddenly it goes from zero and just the, 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 the oh counter God. goes crazy. Yeah. 20 million uh, or something. <laughs> terrifying. But it's also, yeah. it, uh, that's what I, yeah, it's what's quite fascinating about this is that um, um, it is very even-handed while being very clear-eyed as well uh, about what the internet can offer. That this space for expression, it's space for connection, all these themes that Hosoda loves to explore but also is very clear-eyed about how that can be misused and there is something within humanity and our society as we know it that is um you know can be quite corrupted oh yeah like so i, th- I think the the justices 
aka the mods are like are such a good creation like and like quite a political statement from hoster as well i think um like kind of getting into government regulation of the internet um which is like fascinating for him to be exploring and but absolutely um like so there's a big like at the time of recording there's been a big blow up on reddit because of a subreddit called anti-work um and a mod from anti-work going on the news and kind of um presenting themselves as the the figurehead of this movement and then that interview going terribly and then that subreddit and all its many thousands of members getting blocked and then blocked and then the subreddit getting deleted and this all comes from people kind of coming out of the anonymity of the internet and presenting themselves as someone who can be a kind of a police figure within the within this world that in theory kind of shouldn't have or has the potential to be this utopian space um and so the i love that this film is like like anti the justices in that way but i, I also think it's fascinating that they are so aligned with sponsorship as well. Like mm. gradually through the film, these justices have more and more ads that pop up behind them. And just kind of him just subtly saying like the kind of government regulation of the internet is so aligned with the corporate side of the internet as well. And in the end of the film, the justices fail and all of the sponsors leave them behind. And I absolutely love that, that like through this lovely telling of a fairy tale, you can make this statement about what an idealized version of the Internet could be that doesn't just have this kind of corporate government ownership and lens on you at all times. I do love how um, that kind of is he called Justin, the main justice guy? <laughs> Justin Justice. <laughs> He's kind of like that. Uh, yeah, like the Gaston character in uh, the original Beauty and the Beast. But I think, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I don't really know if he's yeah supposed to be like a, a government person or he is just kind of some guy that everyone really likes online and, you know, is followed by all of these kind of big sponsored accounts. And then it, I guess he just gets like a big head about it and feels like he has the power to, you know, is, take is, people is, down on... Like Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it, it's it's left you know subtly vague in the way that you can because he, he does talk in interviews we maybe even speak about this in the next episode about facebook you know he's he's very anti um the, you know the platforms and the way they operate but also yeah that, that could just be an influencer account who's got a lot of lot of followers and a lot of uh, mm. a lot of backers to, yeah. to be able to to have that clout um but quickly before we move on past the internet stuff steph what you mentioned about how they access the internet um, and that that's left kind of vague I absolutely love because in the other films I think that's been an issue is that the, he has got bogged down in the workings of these systems like the girl who leapt through time just stops dead as soon as they try start trying to explain that little kind of walnut object and how many lives you've got left and what it and blah, blah 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 and who cares <laughs> and you is just like you put these things in your ears you go online that's it. That's all you need to know. Yeah. I think it says a lot about, um, you know, you, like you're saying in the context, Michael, about how, how Hosseder is thinking about how his kids will grow up in this world of being online. And you have it with flashbacks to Suzu being like six and she's learning to play piano, but she's learning on like an iPhone mm -hmm. piano app. 
when there's like a digital piano right there it's not really i don't think he's really saying you know kids these days uh, they only want to use technology but um i think it's just a comment on how how much it is in our lives now and how i still find it weird like how kids will be born into a world like this now where they will never not know what you know an iphone is or what vr is or something like that Mm -hmm. they just and it's just something that they know how to do and know how to access mm, yeah. so yeah it's a, it's a very rich area but as, as you say jake sort of on a on a law level he yeah. doesn't get bogged down in the workings of the world but also he finds a way to resolve this in a way that it is that's that's human and about the connections whereas summer wars ending was like they just fight him really well and they, they do though they do yeah. fight him really well. <laughs> no because it, it, it's quite this is sort of what i've said at times where it, i found it very hard to find the the emotional thread of wisdom that lies between the two worlds that he often works in and plays in or that whether it's a metaphorical world or a digital world or whatever in this one it all comes to this point where it's just a song and a beautiful song that is a moment for our protagonist she has her her, her, her gang behind her. Love, love, shout out to the choir ladies. Amazing characters. But then that song touches four billion users momentarily. And it's very easy for us as, as an audience to then relate to that, engage with that. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's not that they're not, she's not pulling off some great conceit. But then beyond that, to resolve the, the beast side of the story... There's something wonderfully profound that isn't um, doesn't undermine the role the internet plays in our everyday lives. It's not go outside and play football. It'll be better. It's better for you. Touch some grass. It's something about the parasocial world we live in, where we have all these we we project all these relationships onto people on, through these social media networks. But there's something still so magical and important about inhabiting the same physical space with people and what you can give them. You may be able to broadcast your song to billions of people that um, that can touch their hearts, but to actually change someone's life, sometimes you have to do the work, go the distance. And I love the moment. It's it's almost now, you know, we, we have these still frames of women in space, young girls in space. Um, through his films, the girl that through time when she's mid leap. We have Mirai when she's hold, holding Kun flying through the sky, and in this one, it's just as simple as as uh, Suzu standing in between the boy who's the beast and his and his brother and his father who's um, abusing them. There's something about that which is, yeah, really powerful about hum- about humans and how we relate to each other. Really, I, it's that, and that is something I've been looking for in all these films, and that's that. That really touched me. That really moved me. And it's all in the look, like the the stare that she gives him is so good. He, like just like the withering look, and the way that he just crumbles is brilliant. And throughout the film, it's these moments where it's we said in Mirai as well. Like that ends on that lovely look. That's all it needs. This film ends on that same thing. It's just this this unspoken connection between these people, and like Bell is full of these little moments as well. That that's, I suppose kind of transcend language. That's the the melody of Bell's song. It does that as well. It's that it's that hum, that whistle. It doesn't matter what it's about. Um, like it connects all of these people, and and I kind of from a less emotional point of view. 
you've got those little bits like at the train station with oh. the ca- the characters <laughs> uh like the way that they kind of slowly move in and out of frame and he's got that locked off shot that's just positioned on these one one shot of the train station and characters moving in and out of it because of their awkwardness and embarrassment um and yeah just just through the animation and no more than that translating so so much of the the human experience i suppose yeah, I love I love how like cartoony the real world is in this film, where you know you have the the kind of big emotional, um, epic moments in you, but then in the real world you have canoe guy and mm. a girl He's dancing so and playing saxophone, and yeah, all of those kind of little cartoony bits. I got big Steph vibes from the first time that you see the girl playing the saxophone. <laughs> well, I did play the saxophone. I know. I, I can totally imagine you like. One day that'll be that'll be a cosplay that you'll do. It's just like because the way that she bob, bobs between like on either side of her legs, just totally in her moment, having a lovely time on the sax. I thought I, that I feels could... like a really hard dance to do while you're playing the sax. I'll give it a go. I'll let you yeah. know when we get on TikTok. That's that's going to be the content. <laughs> I I absolutely love all the slice of life side of things, and it just shows as well that he strongly believes that no matter how much the internet changes our lives and becomes an everyday feature there'll still be awkward teenagers unable oh, yeah. to express themselves to one another <laughs> well and i suppose from the opposite end of that the slice of life like being unable to express each other in like a, a real reality like the train station there is that sequence which totally gets rid of that reality to show the relationships between teenagers as like a battle tactics game <laughs> yes <laughs> i love that that's just another that's an example of him how he just has a surplus of ideas isn't it just throws that in there yeah. but it is such a good encapsulation of um particularly how rumors and gossip can spread over sort of whatsapp and text and yeah. so on um it, and then you have to react really quickly and think tactically it's great I'm, I, that stuff. Maybe I just wasn't on the text messages, but I don't. I, I thankfully wasn't. It, it made, in school when all of that was kicking off. We still weren't allowed phones, but I can imagine now teenagers in high school with mobile phones would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> like absolutely. the ex- the extent of like the, the strange WhatsApps now is like remember when that guy and his mate said that the Queen is actually dead and that it was going to be announced, <laughs> and it was a leaked WhatsApp that went around millions of people. <laughs> That's the extent of our battle tactics. <laughs> we, we could talk about Belle like all day, I think. But do we have any other like recurring threads that we want to shout out so we can wrap this up in a bow? Steph, you have your food corner, don't you? That we've I do have food revisited corner. a few times. I think it's yeah, it's really interesting in this film as well how um, Suzu doesn't want to eat for the whole film, um, and I think there's a really nice kind of moment between her and her dad at the end where. She accepts the offer of going out for a meal with him. Um, you know, Hosoda has portrayed family meals and mealtime and eating together in all of his films um, as a kind of, you know, family and emotional point. Um, so it's really nice that the film ends on that note. Um, but yeah, I do want to shout out the use of peaches in, I think, every single film. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, when I was reading the the Mirai um, kind of production booklet in the DVD, um, there was a little section about how Hosoda thinks peaches symbolise death. Um, So he likes to include them 
in his films. Um, I did a little bit of research as well, but all I could find was that they they symbolise kind of immortality and long life as well. But I think either way, if either way you look at them, whether you think they represent death or immortality, the kind of placement of them throughout his films, um, I think are really clever. You know, like Makoto is carrying peaches when she um, is about to get hit by the train in Girl Who Let Through Time. Um, the kind of chief of the, the beast um, town in The Boy and the Beast is wearing a kimono with peaches on it when he's kind of about to ascend to become a god and die. Um, and Susie's dad brings home peaches um, in the film and she uses them in her iced tea. And I think it's a really nice kind of, I guess like a a nice metaphor for family members that are missing in all of Hosseda's films. You know, mm. like Susie's mum is missing in this film, but her presence is still really really prominent and she's kind of like with her for the whole film um and her memory is there um and yeah it's a really nice little kind of physical metaphor for those how family members that might not be with us anymore are maybe like still Mm. living on through us i i love that um several films after the girl who leapt through time on that episode we talked about how if you could travel through time what would you do and this girl went on an endless karaoke bender <laughs> so i love after after all these films he returns to karaoke as a, as a as a situation however in this case it is the most anxiety inducing awful <laughs> situation to be in that idea of multiple people shoving microphones in your face and you've got to forcing you to sing that is exactly what i'm like at karaoke so very relatable <laughs> moment for me jake did you have something to shout out oh yeah well i think as him revisiting the parental montage uh which we've seen in a few of the films uh kind of most well done in wolf children but coming back here showing the relationship between uh suzu and her mum like as you said steph playing the uh phone piano and kind of exploring their relationship and doing it um so delicately and kind of really very quickly cementing the strength of their bond so then when you get to the river sequence just a few minutes later, it is properly harrowing stuff. Um, mm. The whiplash between uh, kind of the joy and the tragedy there, I think, is amazing. Um, and, I, I, yeah, just what you're saying about the peaches and watching all of these films so quickly in succession and, like, how many threads we found between them. Um, it's almost like like he's he's a filmmaker to collect like there's something really satisfying about working your way through each of these films and connecting the dots in a way it's not not like a puzzle and like it's a cinematic universe to understand or something um but it is really lovely to just see these continuing things uh and as as well as those peaches we of course have the whales which are back the whales are back (laughs) yes um and so we've got these amazing whale sound systems that bell flies through you and we've seen the whales john and yoko in summer wars and then there's the whale kind of kaiju creature in the boy and the beast and there's the whale crackers in mirai and now we have a big whale again yeah yeah that's that is an interesting motif to return to isn't it (laughs) (laughs) one one last thing because i because this is one that the one of the his first and only film that made me do a big cry um and so i should shout out the moment which is when suzu appears as suzu not bell in you absolutely like big, big that, cry moment. 
that statement of Bell is Suzu, Suzu is Bell, this unveiling of who this person is and kind of that total blend of these two worlds that we now have and that like actually like the veil between them is much thinner than we actually think beautiful it's very big spider-man 2 vibes where peter park is unveiled and mm. all of new york is like we won't tell anyone yeah your secret's safe with us he's just a kid <laughs> <laughs> but oh jake you're right it's been such a treat going through all these films in quick succession tearing them apart putting them back together seeing the thread i really think there's been such a great arc to this mini-series, but the most important thing, of course, is now we've watched them all, we all have to arbitrarily order them (laughs) (laughs) best to worst or favourite to least favourite. So this will be our final Hoss order coming up next. So, final Hoss orders... Steph, I'll come to you first. Okay. I'm just I'm trying to work out where I want to put this because my current ranking is Mirai at the top, then Wolf Children, then Girl Who Let Through Time, then Boy and the Beast, then Summer Wars. And yeah, like like I said at the beginning, while I don't think this is his best film, it is his most hostile film. I guess I'm really excited to to go back, see this. I'm pretty sure it's coming out in the IMAX in london at some point so that'd be awesome really excited to go and see that and experience it again so i think at the moment it's sitting second for me in between mirai and wolf children it's got that really good mix of you know technical capability with the big crying that Hmm. gets me in wolf children so i think that's i think that's yeah where it is for me at the moment what about you jake um probably guess this yeah it's top of the tree for me um I really loved Summer Wars, which was my number one. And this is doing everything Summer Wars was trying to do and doing it better. Um, And I think there's something so satisfying about kind of seeing someone realize their potential, I suppose, as well. Like we've he's shown us the skill that he has and the things that he's interested in. And it's never fully clicked. And now it has. Uh, So for me, it would go Bell... Summer Wars, Mirai, Wolf Children, Girl Who Leapt Through Time, Boy and the Beast. And Michael has... I'd literally just written, written that out or bef- just seconds before you did it. <laughs> <laughs> is yours exactly the same? I think it's exactly the same. This is really tough for me. So yes, the, 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 the simple thing, the easy thing for me to say is Belle is my absolute favourite of his. I, I think that is a culmination of everything I've loved about films that I've not fully loved. That all these great moments all the way through. I think before we started this miniseries, when we were talking about it, when we first thought about covering him, I said that he's had moments of greatness, but I've never fully loved one of his films. And Belle is the one to change that. That's the one where of what I've been looking for, that moment, that that really moved me, that had that kernel of wisdom about the way we live, was there. So Bell is absolute top for me. And then I suppose everything else kind of is on level pegging. So I don't want to feel like I'm doing anyone down by saying it goes Bell, Summer Wars, Mirai Wolf Children, Girl Who Leapt, Boy and the Beast. But I think that all of those have something to recommending them really i think the only real clear distinction would be between the mid table 
and Boy and the Beast. Boy and the Beast was one that we didn't really connect, you know, I didn't connect with much at all. It was him trying a different genre. But gosh, what a, what a great filmmaker to trace mm-hmm. across his career with these um, growing ambitions, these um, real principles he has about the storytelling, but also his collaboration, who he brings to work with. And then this growing sense of commentary, both as a person drawing from his life as a father, well, as a boyfriend, fiancé, husband, father, uh, father of one, father of two. <laughs> Just, it feels like with every st- stage in his life, he um, he finds something new to bring to the screen. But then also, as as we've said in this one, as a commentator on our, so- our social world as impacted by the internet. So... I, yeah, this this has given me new appreciation to all of his films. Is that the same for you, Steph? Yeah, definitely. And I can't wait to watch the Digimon movie in two weeks' time. <laughs> when we kind of come back to his early early work. I think it'll be really fun to... I think we'll get a lot out of that now that we've seen everything that he's done and then we're going back, right back to the beginning. He's absolutely his own voice um, mm. and his own filmmaker and we'll hear from him a lot next episode and we should say the early works that we've got in our for the final episode of the series i know we had a couple of comments when we launched saying where's one piece where's digimon and i suppose we wanted to look at him as a filmmaker outside of the franchise world when he would go let through time that's where he really starts this track that we can see um is him as the director as co-writer graduating to having his own studio that was the arc whereas now we'll go back and see how he, if any of these threads were even there beforehand when he was doing work in the gr- the grind of making tv movies or movies based on tv series jake do you know what you're getting yourself in for with some of these things that we're going to be covering in the early works like digimon one piece do you have any um, um history or experience with those uh Digimon, Digital Monsters, Digimon are the champions. Uh, that's about my knowledge. And well, the sound- One Piece the is about pirates, so we might get some whales. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a pirate king, I understand. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I'm... <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the Digimon soundtrack. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that, that's, that's maybe the extent of my excitement at this point. Who knows? All, all I remember is... Is it Digimon is the best TV show, Pokemon's the best video game, and Yu-Gi-Oh is the best card game? Uh... <laughs> well, that's all to come in uh, two episodes' time. And next episode, we'll be back with a wonderful in-depth interview with Mamoru Hosta himself. But until then, tweet at us. We're at Ghibli Attack on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, ghibliattack.pod. Maybe send us an email, ghibli at little.studios.com. That final episode will also be a mailbag special, so we'd love to hear your rankings, your thoughts, your theories, what themes you've been picking up as you've been watching along with us. That would be great to see. We'll read them out on the episode. You can also follow us individually. You can find Steph on Twitter at underscore Steph Watts. You can find Jake at JKH Cunningham. And if you're feeling supersonic, you can follow Michael on Twitter at Michael J. Leader. Ghibliotech is a Little Dot Studios production. Our music is by Anthony Ng, and the show is produced by Michael Leader, Jake Cunningham, Harold McShill, and Steph Watts.
Hi listeners, thanks for sticking through the credits. Now, we know that Hostess films have often been about dads and their children and father figures, uh, and there's one actor who seems to have Hostess heart as the ultimate voice of the father figure, uh, Koji Yakusho, who's a very big actor in Japan. He's been in films like 13 Assassins, Tampopo, um, and many, many more. But he's played a father figure character in the last three Hosoda movies. So he was Kumatetsu, uh, the kind of gruff beast father in Boy and the Beast. Uh, he was the great-grandfather in Mirai, who lets young Kun ride on his motorbike. Uh, and he also has a small part as Suzu's father in Bell. So listen out for him next time you watch a Hosoda film and see if you can recognize his voice. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.